0: someone once asked me something like, would your life fit in the book of Acts? Would your life fit in the book of Acts? Which I took to mean, would anyone notice if my name and a scene from my life were inserted somewhere in between the stories? Would it fit in or would it stick out? Could I blend in as a credible character in the plot, of the early church? Are my days marked by the same practices and priorities of the apostles? Am I living life in the spirit, a testimony to the miraculous, ongoing activity of God in the world? Would my life fit in the book of Acts? Quite a conversation starter, eh? I wasn't sure. And so what I did was I reread the book of Acts. And here's what I found out. I've never had tongues of fire settle on my head, but there was this one time in high school physics with a Bunsen burner that it sort of looked like it. I've never spontaneously preached the gospel in a language unknown to me, but by the look on the faces of some people listening to my sermons, I've preached in a language unknown to them. I've never faced off with a sorcerer except in video games. I've never raised anyone from the dead, but sometime I'll tell you the story about my dog, thought to be dead for two whole days, found alive on the third day, just hanging out in the bottom of a freshly dug grave. This is the same dog, by the way, we found as a puppy in our garage on Easter morning. You see, when I looked at the acts of the apostles, the hundreds of healings, the thousands of baptisms in one day, the prison escapes and visions, I concluded that my life didn't look anything like that at all. I would fool no one if my name and my story were inserted in the fifth book of the New Testament. And honestly, as I kept reading, I wasn't sure that I wanted my life to fit in the book of Acts. Some characters get arrested or even worse, stoned to death after preaching. I'm just hoping for lunch. Two were struck dead after withholding just some of their possessions from the community. Another gets blinded by Jesus for a couple of days. There are stories of beatings, imprisonment, earthquakes, more stories of going to jail, face-offs with evil spirits, riots. Did I mention prison? Shipwreck, and even house arrest. Would my life fit in the book of Acts? I wondered while I read. Part of me hoped that following Jesus could look a lot easier today than it did in the first century. But as I continued to reread Acts, I came across a story then others where I could see how my life might fit in and find a believable place in the narrative. Acts tells of a young man <clears throat> who falls asleep and out of a window as Paul preaches late into the night. What? And I thought if Eutychus could get into the book of Acts, maybe I could. I honestly can't remember a time I fell asleep during a sermon. But as a kid, I once had both my hands stuck like glue with gum to a hymnal during a particularly long one. By the way, I heard this terrible joke this week about Eutychus, you don't wanna hear it. Okay, okay. It goes like this, Eutychus too, if you fell out a window. (laughs) Sorry, I told you it was bad. If you have any questions or concern about that particular joke, I would invite you to reach out to Pastor Alex Mandura, who shared it with me a few days ago. <clears throat> this story of Eutychus is wild, isn't it? And why is it here? That's what I wondered while reading through Acts. But something about it normalized the narrative, it made it feel more real, surprisingly. Here's what really happened when I reread Acts, looking for the answer to the question of if my life was made of the same stuff of the stories I found there. I realized I had been reading it all wrong, where at least I was missing something as I read it. You see, I was aware of the miracles and the fantastic stories of the early church, but it never felt relatable. It felt impossible, otherworldly, but then I saw an element in Acts that brought early church history down to earth for me. That element was humor. In the middle of Luke's masterpiece of church history, he tells the story of a young boy whose cause of death was a really long sermon. And don't worry, Paul does bring him back to life, but only to continue preaching. I gotta believe Luke wants us to laugh. After all, when the Spirit descended on the apostles, like tongues of fire, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke of Jesus in different languages, languages of the travelers who had come from everywhere to Jerusalem, many onlookers of that incredible miracle brushed it off, unimpressed, saying, eh, they're just drunk. And have you heard the story Luke tells about the sons of the high priest who run naked through the streets. I'll let you look up that one on your own and read it for family devotions tonight. It's in chapter 18, if you're looking for it. You see, if we aren't laughing through the book of Acts, we are reading it wrong. But again, why is the humor there? Is Luke just good at punchlines? The humor I found... I believe, it is more than just good storytelling. Beyond being a literary device, the humor in the Acts may, paint, may point us toward an important theological truth. If Luke didn't purpose it, I bet God did. But to get at that, we've got to observe the bigger picture of the book of Acts. You may or may not know that Acts is a part of a tandem, Luke, Acts. It can be read as one story. Now, your modern Bible doesn't make this clear. Acts doesn't follow its prequel in the order of the New Testament, but is rather placed after all four Gospels and before Paul's letters. So it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. But if Luke and Acts were placed side by side, I bet you'd notice the similarities and the connections. Here are the obvious ones. Both are addressed to Theophilus and therefore attributed to the same author, Luke, presumably a physician who traveled with Paul in his missionary journeys, we discover from the context clues. This connection is solidified by the fact that Acts even refers back to his first book. Also, Luke and Acts are connected by one major event luke ends with the ascension wrapping up the gospel with jesus returning to the father and his disciples praising god acts begins with the ascension it plays a bit like a previously on cut scene reminding the audience of what happened in the last episode however the scene is told slightly different in acts not as an ending but as a beginning propelling the disciples forward into the mission of God. There are some other similarities between Luke and Acts, more subtle that you wouldn't probably notice unless you were looking for them. There are similar themes in both books, like an emphasis on God's acceptance of the poor, the marginalized, and anyone who might be considered outcasts. They're similar and they both have a vision for an inclusive outgoing mission of God, and they both have a focus on the work of the Holy Spirit. Beyond the themes, even, scholars mark 20 or so stories in Luke and Acts, each that when placed next to one another appear to be purposely told as parallels with almost reenacted dialogue and events. Here's one example that we find in both the death of Stephen and the death of Jesus. This is how Uh, the death of Jesus ends. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And the death of Stephen goes, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And Jesus says, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And Stephen says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Okay, this is interesting and all, maybe to some of you, you're thinking, but what does this have to do with the humor and acts? Sorry if I've lost you. We'll get back there, I promise. First, let's notice what the writer of Luke-Acts is trying to do with this two-part story. It is possible that the echoes of Acts serve as a mnemonic function. Perhaps the author used the same template in Acts for memory's sake, so it's easier to remember. I think that's at least partly true, but it also seems like he's trying to communicate a profound truth to the original listeners. Acts is not just a sequel. It's also a bit like a reboot. Now, before I explain why, let me first define these terms. A sequel is a movie, a TV show or book, that is the next installment of a work, a continuation of the same story. Think Lord of the Rings or Toy Story. Uh, play along with me and share with someone that you came with or someone next to you, what perhaps is your favorite or your least favorite sequel to a movie? There's been good ones and there've been bad ones. Okay, it sounds like you have a good grasp of a sequel. Now, a reboot is a restart to an already established fictional universe, usually involving a recreation of the characters. Think the remade Parent Trap or the live action Disney films. Now, share with someone next to you that you came with a movie or a TV show that you would hope could be rebooted, something that maybe you watched long ago. and Man, I would love if they redid that one. Share that with your friends. I just heard Chariots of Fire. <clears throat> Last service, I heard Gilligan's Island. This will be some fun, some fun reboots. Okay, sequels and reboots shouldn't be confused with spinoffs. A totally different category of story related to a main work but it is an offshoot from the main plot, often centering on side characters from the original storyline. Think Mandalorian or WandaVision. Now, Axe is not so much a spin off as it is a sequel. But what I want to assert today is that perhaps it's also a reboot. Axe is not just part two of the same story, though it is. It's also almost as if the plot of part one is being retold with a different cast. The writer of the tandem wants the original audience in the parallels to catch that the mission of Jesus is now being picked up by his followers after his ascension into heaven. Not only that, but they're becoming like him in their love for one another and in their faith. Their lives are good soil in which the words and works of Jesus have truly taken root. In other words, the gospel is still alive. It did not die out after Jesus' followers, but spread from Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is why the question we started with, would my life fit in the book of Acts, is a good question because it's the question Luke is asking the first audience. What about you? He essentially says, The writer is not merely passing along history with the book of Acts. The writer has purposes for the church in the present. And those purposes involve inspiring a faithful community of Jesus' followers to keep carrying on the mission Jesus started. It is confirmation that what is happening amongst the Gentiles is indeed God's redemptive plan. If God's activity in the world didn't stop with Jesus but continued in similar ways through his first followers, argues Luke. Then God's activity in the world is now expressed through you, the next generation. Jesus's apostles were like a reboot of Jesus. And so were Luke's audience. So are we, those who are rereading Acts today, the people of the ends of the earth. So what about us? Would our lives fit in the book of Acts? Would anyone notice if our names and the scenes from our lives were inserted somewhere between the stories, would we fit in or would we stick out? Could we blend in as credible characters in the plot of the early church? Are our days marked by the same practices and priorities of the apostles? Are we living, are we living life in the spirit, a testimony to the miraculous ongoing activity of God in the world? Ah, but this is where the humor comes in. We may be actors of this reboot, but we aren't the original characters who are as relevant to the story as ever. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's just use today's scripture passage for example. First of all, the angel needed to strike Peter in the side to wake him up. Saw it in the video. Then we see the apostle confused believing he's in a vision or perhaps sleepwalking. If he's a reboot of Jesus, he doesn't know it yet. Then after sneaking past two guard posts, Peter is precariously left on the doorstep by Rhoda. The believers inside Mary's house are too busy debating the possibility of Peter's arrival that they've left him outside, vulnerable to rearrest. If this didn't get the guard's attention... Surely the shouting of the believers would once they finally opened the door to let him in when Peter had to quiet them down. You see, the Lord helps Peter miraculously escape from prison. And it's also a miracle he isn't immediately recaptured. This is funny on purpose. And it points toward the profound truth of Luke's book. The theological significance of humor maybe to make sure we grasp the reality that this is not actually a story, primarily about the acts of the apostles. It is the story of the acts of the Holy Spirit. The main character of Acts is not Paul. It is not Peter, Tabitha, or Priscilla. It's not even the church as a whole. The main character of Acts is God. Acts is a testimony of the spectacular extraordinary ongoing work of God in the world through ordinary even at times laughable believers who are some ways like their lord but in other ways fumbling around all the while guided by God and empowered by the holy spirit luke gives us a story tragedy and comedy alike and god makes us laugh to remind us that we get the joy of participating as supporting characters, but it's his plot moving forward. And the Holy Spirit has the lead part. Here's why this is so important. If we miss it, we might answer the original question wrong. If I don't have the plot and the main character right, if I think I'm the main character, for example, the question, would my life fit in the book of Acts, sounds a lot like, do I have what it takes? This is not that kind of story. The comedy in Acts subverts both our tendency to take ourselves too seriously and to think too little of ourselves. If we are concerned about measuring up to Acts, meaning comparing our ordinary lives to the extraordinary lives of the early church out of context, then we are setting ourselves up for pride or for shame. But the gift of comedy in the book of Acts is humility and joy. It was the Lord that freed Peter from prison. It was the Lord that kept him safe on the haphazard escape. Imagine how many times Peter, Mary, and Rhoda and the others told that story later, tears in their eyes from laughter and joy, Rhoda, you just left me on the street, a wanted man. Peter would shout with a grin. And everyone present, without a doubt, would know who the main character of that story was, who the hero was, who was moving the plot forward. Not them, God. I imagine Peter, Rhoda, and the believers would resonate with this quote from Friedrich Buechner. It is possible, I wonder, to say that it is only when you hear the gospel as a wild and marvelous joke that you really hear it at all. Heard as anything else, the gospel is the church's thing, the preacher's thing, the lecturer's thing. Heard as a joke, high and unbidden and ringing with laughter, it can only be God's thing. Acts can only be God's thing. If the mission of God moves forward today, It can only be God's thing. The good news of Acts is the same good news of Luke. Jesus is ascended. Jesus is Lord. God's redemptive plan for the whole world is moving forward to the ends of the earth and no one can stop it, not even us, accidentally. We knew with certainty, didn't we, that we needed God when he saved us. But let's not forget that the gospel also means that we need God when he sends us. We don't truly have what it takes. but We can take what we have, who we are, and trust it to the God whose kingdom will reign on earth as it does in heaven. Here's the invitation of Acts. The plan of God will go on with or without us. But life in the spirit is the kind of inside joke you don't want to miss out on. I wonder how God wants to make you laugh this week. What joy he has for you in following him.